and action. We good to go? So who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, my name's Alexa Caballo-Hughes, and I'm a local from Connecticut, and I'm a licensed realtor for 11 years, and I just help people make their dreams come true. Okay. How long have you been in real estate? So 11 years now, and, you know, it's been quite a journey. Uh, that's the only thing I did right out of college, and now I've kind of morphed what I'm doing into kind of more media contributions similar to this. Okay, so what do you yeah. do for the company now? Um, so I'm still a licensed realtor. I do all the listings for any of our clients, and then I help operate our team. So we have a bunch of different agents that help, um, you know, make the team work because a lot of times I'm out traveling. I do a lot of uh, media contributions. So like I, I'm on Channel 3 once a week, so I talk about the real estate market. And I do a lot of um, giving back to the industry. So I do a lot of, you know, speaking and events. Um, last year, I don't know, I think I did about 20 different events, eight of which I put together myself. And we'll have anywhere from, you know, 150 people in a room, like we did in San Antonio, to about 800 in Miami. And yeah, just about elevating the real estate industry. So how'd you get into real estate? Um, so actually, this is a really cool story. I'll do the short version, but um, I'm an American with Ukrainian roots. My grandfather came over. He was one of 10 and all he knew was the swing of his hammer. So for him, it was all about hard work and putting your head down. He took a, a risk. He bought a 12 acre piece of property in South Windsor and it was his dream for that to help support our family for years to come. And so my uncle Walter, my my father Andy, they built the first ever 55 plus condos in the town of South Windsor. So they did that. And then my mom's like, I could sell these. You know, she's a stay-at-home mom. And she did such a great job at that. Meanwhile, I had grown up kind of seeing all that happen, entrepreneurs all around. And I actually went to UConn. I studied every major under the sun. And finally, my counselor, because I was like, I don't know, like, there's so many things I can learn. I, don't put me in a box. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to pick a, a major. And he finally said, just make up your own major, Alexa. I was like, you should have told me that from the beginning. So I made up my own major, business psychology, sociology, communications. And that's called consumer behavior. So I needed an easy internship. So I was like, hey, mom, can I work the front desk of your real estate company? She's like, absolutely. And then, you know, I fell completely in love. It was my senior year. I was like, this is what I want to do. So I haven't looked back since. So in college, they let you make up your own yep. major. Literally. But it took several sessions, painstaking sessions with my counselor for him to be like, you know what? You should just make up your own major. So I went, so I presented this whole thing to UConn. So I was like, this should be a major, consumer behavior. This is why. This is like the whole thing. I presented it to them and they're like, that's actually legit. We'll accept it as a major. So do they offer that now or is that just? Yeah. So now, because of what I did now, others are able to take consumer behavior because I think business and anything in life is really, it's interrelated. Like, don't put me in the business box. Don't put me in the psychology box, communication, sociology. It all works together, you know? So I was able to make up and study whatever I wanted to study, you know? Because yeah. I like, listen, education's amazing. If you study what you want to study. Yeah. You know? So like, you don't have to be put in a box. That's awesome. Yeah. So you still now work for your mom's real estate agent? Yeah. So my mom used to own and operate several Remax franchises okay. in the state of Connecticut, including one right down the street, South Windsor. And she, over time, she built these office award-winning offices, like literally like 
award-winning, you know, gorgeous. She had so many accolades, so many acknowledgments in the industry, which was great. Her agents loved her. But she's like, you know what? The writing's on the wall. Traditional brick and mortar is not where it's at anymore for her and for her real estate brokerages. You know, agents like myself, we're busy. We're on the road shaking hands and kissing babies. You know what I mean? Making business happen. So she ended up selling her offices. And then we're at, we're at this uh, like global virtual company called EXP Realty. There's about 87,000 of us in the world. And it's amazing because we're all owners. You know, they pretty much took the traditional franchise model and put it on its head. So each of us are owners. So and she and I work really closely together now still. So how did your your mom got into real estate because of your granddad? Yep. Because he built the condos. Yep. Yeah, my father built it. It was his vision. My father your, built them. Okay, so your father bought your grandfather bought the land. Yeah. Then your dad built the condos. Yeah. Then your mom sold the condos. Yep. And then you went to Yukon, created your own major, went there as an internship, and then stayed. Correct. Totally fell in love with real estate. Fell in love with the hustle and bustle. There's no ceiling. There's no floor. I just love the energy and like you really make an impact in someone's life. You know, it's a huge impact. It's like the single largest investment people make. Yeah. And it can make or break you, like how you start your investment career, you know, because it is the way that a lot of people create wealth, yeah. huge amounts of wealth. For sure. So. So do you invest in real estate too now? Yeah. So we've done a lot, like as far as um, one of my favorite investments is university housing. So for example, we've had one at UConn. I love especially one of my favorite investments because real estate's the only tangible investment asset that you can actually physically enjoy. So let's say you like to go to the beach. You could buy that beach house, rent out for the rest of the season. But what I love is if you purchase something near like URI, for example, you get not only the rentals during the academic year because you're riding the beach there, but then you get the summer rentals. So it's like major cash flow. So that's one of my favorite investments. A lot of people are doing Airbnbs, a lot of different... um, it's just passive syndications. I have a lot of contacts that are doing that literally throughout the nation. So anywhere from Phoenix to um, Texas, and there's a lot of really cool opportunities out there. And shoot, maybe shouldn't Airbnb kind of taking a hit right now? Um, I actually am not really sure to be honest with you. Okay. I've heard a lot of stuff in the news about it. Yeah. Um, and I know that they have like the rules and regs are actually changing on a local level. So like it wasn't that. What I do know is that it wasn't as uh, police like on a local level and now a lot of the municipalities either want to get taxable income off of those rentals or they're making it harder rules and restrictions so they are making it harder i i'm not sure is there anything in the headlines of the airbnb right now i don't know if there's headlines in the air in the in the headlines about the airbnb but i've been hearing a lot of chatter and talk about how people are starting to prefer hotels again because some of the airbnbs aren't being upkept and they're not as advertised, or you'll rent a property and it turns out that you actually only rented like half of the property instead of the whole property. So like they'll have pictures of the whole property and then you'll get there and you have like a guest house or you have like half the house and then there's other people there at the same time as you and you spent thousands of dollars to have this space. That's rough. Yeah. That's especially that, coming out of COVID. People are like, no, 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 I want my space. So that happened. Like, I didn't look at all of the fine print when I was looking at an Airbnb because we were going to get married at an Airbnb. And then when I was looking at it again, it turned out that 
it was only a guest house on this huge, gorgeous property. And then it was like, you can't have anybody there but the people staying. So if it slept six, you couldn't have more than six. So even if we wanted like 25 people over to enjoy the lake just for the day, it wasn't allowed. And then the way that they phrased the refund, it was like refund within 42 hours of stay or whatever it was. But the way they worded it, it actually meant 42 hours after you booked it. So you would lose your deposit. So it's like there's all these like tricky phrasing and all this other stuff with hair. 42 hours, not 48. Yeah. Let's make like, it more yeah. confusing. Yeah. Like all this like weird shit where it was like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. that's Like I've never had. I don't know that I've ever really done many Airbnbs, but the idea of Airbnb is kind of like Uber to me. Right. Like it's it's non-professionals trying to do this professional thing and then they don't provide the quality of service and then who do you blame because you can't blame airbnb because it's the like you can't call uber and be like hey my uber drive you can but the reality is is like they're an independent contractor so they do have rules with inside airbnb but after that it's kind of a fucking free-for-all it is, and it, you have to read the fine print, essentially. Right. And they put that fine print in there, and then it's like, well, we told you. For each property. You know I mean? So it's not yeah. even fine print across the board. It's like each property owner has their own shit that they'll allow and not allow. Right. You're right. It's so like it's standard. There's no standardized, like, like it's right. whatever verbiage they want to put in there. Whereas if I stay at the Marriott, I know that the rules of the Marriott are across the board. And then when I stay at the Marriott, I know what I'm getting. And if I show up and my room's dirty, I can say, give me a different room. And if I leave and my room is dirty, it doesn't matter to a certain point. Like there's rules of like, did you do this? Did you damage this? This is how much you owe. Whereas with an Airbnb, they can just make it up. This is right. So that's where it's really cool for people to make these investments and be able to make this money. But for me, like we were talking about before we even started this, quality people provide a quality service and product. So if I'm going off the Airbnb logo and the individual person that invested in the property is Tom Smith, Tom Smith's really the one that's going to be held accountable at the end of the day, not Airbnb. So you can't call and get a refund. You can't call and complain. You can't call and the, the best case scenario, you can get that person taken off the website. Best case scenario. Right. I'm actually curious if, like, if you went back and read the reviews, if were, did they have good reviews or did some people have similar scenarios where they're like, oh, shit. I don't even remember at this point yeah. that specific one. Yeah. But that's why, for me, the idea, I'm much more of a hotel guy anyways, but I'm older. So maybe that's and why. Nice, you know, you need yeah. this elevator. Right. Well, you need, like, you need certain amenities that you can hold somebody accountable yeah. for. Like the if, pool is open, right? Like the pool that's pictured why we booked the vacation is actually still open, right? Well, right. because you can book. I mean, you you book on like Travelocity or Priceline or something yeah. like that. You book a hotel and you get there, and it's not the hotel that was in the photos, or you don't like it's not as clean or it's not as nice. And you can you can at least hold the company accountable, right? And, and a lot more flexible. And you can also hold Priceline accountable to a certain point because they're the ones that are specifically in charge of the bookings at, at a certain point, right? Right. So there's always somebody that can be held accountable, at least at the hotel system, whereas, I mean, this is a tangent, so I digress, but the whole point is, is like, I'm not a huge fan of all of the, this part of the internet craze. 
of like, oh, let's do Uber, let's do Lyft, let's do Airbnb. And I'm sure there's another version of Airbnb out there that's not as popular or as famous. VRBO. Is that what it is? Yep, VRBO. Yeah. So there, there's all these individuals that are making these cool investments, but they're not holding up their end of the shtick. Yeah, that's the I problem. can see that. And then you have all this time and energy and your whole family's packed up or you plan to have a wedding there and you're like, wait, I can't even have my guests dip their toe in the lake, you know? Like, exactly. That's a problem. And it's like, so me and my buddies, when I lived in LA, we used to joke about how people must save up money to go to Hollywood for a vacation. But Hollywood is literally like two blocks. And on other sides of that two blocks is a bunch of crack horse and crackheads. And- right. And disgusting garbage and, and like it looks like the slums. Like awful. Right. It's terrible. But the, the, there's two blocks. Like, could you imagine? It's the same concept to me of like being a middle American family living on an income of, you know, a livable wage. But you save up for a year to go on this vacation right. to go to Hollywood and you get there and it's like, oh, that that's, that's that. It. Oh, that's OK. You that's- can't get your time back. Right. Your energy. Your money. Like the, your money, but like even the possible possibilities of having an amazing experience, yeah. you know? So for your point, you would rather pay the resort. You know what you're going to get. You show up. If it's not taken care of, you know that they can be flexible and help take care of you. Right. I get that. You know what's going to happen? This is almost this. You know what this reminds me of? Tying it back to real estate is like when it used to be the wild, wild west in the real estate industry. Yep. When there was just like listing representation and every buyer was out there to represent themselves and their best interest. So they would go right to the the listing agency and they have no one to represent them. They have to read all the fine print. That's the same thing as what's happening with Airbnb yeah. similarly. So you how know? long ago did that change? Um, geez Louise, like the code of ethics and real estate agency representation. I think in the state of Connecticut, it definitely way before I was involved. So at least 11 years. I don't know the year, but I can't imagine have being practicing in that manner, right. you know, and it makes you wonder, will Airbnb ever have, you know, agency representation, maybe not licensed realtor, but like someone that's going to be there. What's your, like that person can help make sure the experience is what you need it to be and read all the fine print. Right. You know, well, could you imagine buying a house off of just the photos? People have done it. I it know. It scares the shit out of me. I'm like, are you sure you don't want to see the house? Yeah. You know, like this is a big deal. I mean, they always will have the home inspection, you know, so they'll make sure there's no material defects. You know, there's no hole in the roof or anything crazy. And they're getting what they think they're getting condition wise. And they'll have the appraisal to make sure that the value's there. But there's something about walking through a house you're going to purchase. Right. You know, I mean, we have virtual, you know, like awesome marketing videos and everything. But like we'll have the 3D immersive tours where they can walk through. That's cool and all. Even if you have VR goggles, but like. There's nothing like going to the home. Right. It's still not the same. It's still not the same. And also the location. I mean, you can like a home, but you can never pick it up and move it. Well, it's just like trying to do a podcast with like Zoom. Like yeah. I'd much rather have somebody in the room. Like I've oh, had totally. people like, oh, I'd be on. Can we do it Zoom? And I'm like, not really. Yeah. This is actually really fun. I'm excited about that. Yeah. This is a fun vibe. I like most of space. Most of the ones I've done have been on Zoom and it's so much more fun to do in person. Yeah. Because it's like real. Right. It's you can have real. an actual conversation with somebody that's sitting in front of you. You can connect with them. You can understand like their vibe, their energy. Yeah. They are. Exactly. They're not distracted by anything because we're just here doing this. Exactly. Like we're not doing emails as we're doing a Zoom podcast. Right. Well, I think there's so many people that 
don't know how to connect anymore. It's true. They don't know how to actually sit across from somebody that they don't know and say, hey, how are you? What do you do? It's so true. What's your What's your thing? What are you into? Sad. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. I could not agree more. My parents always, when they we grew up, like they were very community oriented. They were very like, they are very social, like always had gatherings, like, oh, this is Mr. and Miss Blah Blah. Go say hi. Like we were like, I really, I'm, ho- I'm hopeful for the future, but dang, it's a lost art knowing how to connect with people and actually like have eye contact and like be engaged. Yeah. You know? Well, that's the other piece of things that are are being lost in this next generation, too, is the Mr. and Mrs. Everybody's introduced by their first name. And I'm like, no, that's Mr. So-and-so. That's Mrs. So-and-so to my kid. I'm like, no, that's Mr. and Mrs. Right. That's true. Call them by their first name. That's true. Level of respect. That's how that's going to work. Yeah. But there's so many people that are just like, oh, that's, that's Danny. I'm like, yeah. you don't get to call. No, no, it's Mr. Danny to you. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah. You better throw a Mr. in front of something. <laughs> but, I mean, it is what it is. Like, people yeah. just... And I get that I'm a unique situation, right? Because I adopted my daughter, and she calls me Danny. So it 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 does affect the way other kids are going to approach me because she doesn't call me dad. She calls me her dad, but she right. doesn't call me dad to my face. Yeah. Right? So she'll call yeah, me Danny. yeah. Right. And she'll say, my dad said this most of the time, but she'll then call me Danny. Right. So it does make it a little difficult for kids to figure out what they're supposed to call me, which so I don't mind so much with me because I'm me. But I do put it on my kid that it'll be like, no, it's Mr. and Mrs. to you. That's how that's going to work. Raising your kids right. Well, it's just it baffles me that I get that technology so good that we're we're using it to our advantage. And our kids have all these technological things to interact with people, whether it be texting or email or video calls now. Like video calls definitely weren't a thing when we were kids. Um, And then I think I'm a little bit older than you. But um, with my daughter, right, like I don't think kids should be on social media. This is the first year I allowed her on Instagram. She's 14. Wow. So she didn't have a secret account or anything? Oh, yeah. She started secret accounts, and then I caught her. Like, all right. Well, no, it it turned into, it became a discussion between me and my wife about preparing them for what's out there, but also limiting the access. So I have her account on my phone. Right. Right. So she has it on her phone, too, but I get all of her alerts. So I know what's going on. Does that mean that she's not going to sneak and create another one? No, because she has. And then I catch her. Because kids are dumb. Wow. We used to sneak out of the house. Now they make sneak accounts. Right. Like, they don't sneak out of the house because everything's in the computer. Man, you have to be a ninja yeah. this day and age. Yeah. To, like, know what's happening with your kids. Yeah. You don't just have to guard the doors and the, just and the windows. Attention. Yeah, you have to really pay attention. I don't even think you have to guard the doors and windows as much as you would think because they don't want to go. They don't want to go anywhere. No, they want to be on their phone. They want to be on TikTok. They want to be on Instagram. They want to be... On Snapchat, and I won't let her on all those things, because I think those are basically the equivalent of dropping your kid off at a bar and saying good luck. Yeah, that's like there's so many skeevy people out there. There literally are so many. I mean, think about it. There's people that are. I've had clients. My God, I'm so sad for them that are like only 60, right? Like only, Mm -hmm. and they'll get spoofed by like these 
people that are like, oh, share your computer screen. Give me all your banking information. And they don't realize what just happened. So can you imagine a 14-year-old like yeah. with all, all the stuff, you know? like that's, Yeah. Well, and that's those. Oh, and, and there's With the kids and the teenagers, it becomes sexualized real fast. Totally. Which I'm not mad if a 14-year-old's interested in sex. That's normal. That's that's when they start becoming interested in it. I get that. Totally. But doing it on the internet becomes a whole nother thing because if you send it to the wrong person or if you send it to somebody who's pretending that they're a kid and they're not a kid. Exactly. And then you send them this photo and then all of a sudden they send you the photo back and say, I'm going to send this to all your friends totally. unless you do this. Right. And that's where blackmail starts happening. They start to get scared and they feel like, you know, oh, if I don't do this other thing, now I'm not going to, like, it's just a spiral effect. And it's super scary and super weird, right? And yes, I get that it doesn't happen to everybody. And yes, I get that the the numbers are very low. It's probably similar to the abduction numbers, which are also very low. But the point is, is it could happen, and it is out there, and you should at least be aware of it and vigilant of the fact that there are weirdos out there that are going to do weird things. Right. And there's only so many conversations you can actually have with your child. Like, like there's so many effed up scenarios. It's like, do we need to talk about all 8,500 of them to prepare? You know what I mean? Sometimes. It's like, right? But then it's like the 80, 85th, 101 scenario that you didn't talk about. So I get that, having like a level of like the notifications and seeing what's happening. Well, it's like, Dang. well, just think about like if I wanted to send a dick pic when I was a kid, I would have had to go and get an, a disposable camera, get it developed, put it in the mail, send it. Like it would have taken 14 days for the whole process to be done. Now it takes less than 14 seconds. I think that's on the long side. Right. But that's the point is like yeah. even still like now it takes seconds. Literally. And if you're a kid with impulse control issues, you're just going to do it. Yeah. Right. And that could potentially ruin your life forever, forever or for at least a good long portion to create trauma in your life. Right. So it's it's just one of those things where it's like, just keep them off, get them to interact with human. So is this like a PSA like I shouldn't have kids? <laughs> good luck. Uh, no, kids are to each their own. Yeah. When it comes to kids, I didn't I didn't know I was going to be a dad. I didn't really it wasn't in. It wasn't something that I was seeking out to be. And then I adopted my niece when she was two and I became a single dad at 30. So I was just kind of thrown into the fire and it was like, okay, here we go. This is what we're doing. This is this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Right? And then my wife has a couple kids of her own and I was just dove into that too because I had already had mine and it was just like, okay, this is this is what we're doing now. That's I'm going to be a part of other people's lives there. forever. Got it. Awesome. Uh, but no, kids are, kids are interesting. Kids are fun. They have their moments for sure. Um, you're married. Yes. Married. Yeah. Yeah. No kids. No kids. Do you want kids? Yes. Yeah. I think it's just about timing. Like I just been, honestly, I've just been grinding out so much in my business and like a lot of, a lot of people in my business, like they don't retire. They just expire. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like I've met people that, literally are i hear stories about how they're in the delivery room having their child negotiating a contract or like me the day before my wedding instead of chilling i was out like doing showings like a crazy person 
or like the 85 year old that's like running around doing open houses because they have to not because they want to like i'm all about people working like as long as they want but like when you have to it makes me sad so i always like put my head down and was like i need to like get myself wicked established because i don't want to lose momentum but i also i want to be very present when i have kids because i want i really want to have it all i want to have my business and my career at a certain point that i don't want to keep pushing like a crazy person like i have my name now like i have like i'm here to stay like you know what i mean like so now i'm like all right i feel good like if kids came now it'd be cool i'd be down with it like there is a level of fomo of like ah oh, man i can't go on every, i can't go on every trip and do every speaking engagement that i want or whatever you know but i think that it comes back around. It totally will. And I think there's, I think it's just, it is all about timing. I think it always will work out. When there's a will, there's a way. I think kids change us. Yeah. I think they, they, they will either make you the best or worst version of yourself. <laughs> Probably both in the same day. Sometimes. <laughs> but I think that overall, they either make you the worst version of yourself or the best version of yourself. Really? So you think that you actually can not a day by day scenario, like literally you've seen people that were like cool then they have kids and then they become the worst version of themselves. Yeah. Oh my God, that's really sad. Well, my niece is one, my, my daughter, her parents are, became the worst version of themselves. Like they were already bad versions of oh, themselves. Oh but if you can't even take care of your own kids, that makes you the worst version you of yourself. Worse, because you can't even. Or if you're, or if you're a drug addict who who fights to keep your kid, and you stay on the drugs, and you stay doing, yeah. or you get hooked on drugs because you can't handle your kids, or you're overwhelmed, or you get depressed, or you get angry. You're right. And you like there, and it's some people sink; they don't rise to the occasion. Right. They literally, they sink, literally sink in the it. The stakes are so high, then you're like, "Oh my god, I'm a real fuck up." Right. And like, I got lucky; I became a much better version of myself because I was, I was a complete asshole before I had a kid. Right. And like, then you're like, I have no like choice. Was, I gotta, gotta. Right. I have to. Here. Right. And I had to make the decision: like, what, what version of me do I want to be for this kid? Oh. Right. So I had to, I had to give up. A lot of the stuff that I wanted to do and that I was doing with all the film work I was doing and the the hustle and grind stuff that I was doing to to make it to the next level of my right. career and readjust and reassess and go, okay. And then as she got older, because when she was two, I could still get away with, you know, doing other stuff and, and still being there for her. But the, as soon as she started getting into activities and yeah. she started playing sports and she started having social things that she needed to do. And now that she's 14 and she's in high school and she has high school sports and travel sports, I want to be there for those things. So I had to build something so I could be in her life. And then I had to build something so I could be in my wife's life. So like you're talking about your business. My business. I love that. Right. You, you didn't, you, you're letting your business help. Like you're making it, you've created your business so that it supports the lifestyle that you need so you can show up as your best husband and father. Right. Love that. And I used the tools and skills I had. I didn't say I have to quit doing what I'm doing. I just had to rework what I was doing. Evolve. Right. I'm work. always a storyteller. Right. Well, I was working in film and I was and I was working in production and I was doing all that stuff for storytelling. And I said, OK, these are the skills I have. I know how to edit. I know how to shoot. Yeah. I know how to tell a story. I understand all of these components. How do I rework them? to be what I need them to be, kind of like what you did in college. Totally. Right? How do I use all the tools that you're offering me? How do I reuse all the tools that I have to rebuild 
something that's going to work for the life that I yeah. want. That's literally what I've been doing over the last few years because I was like, I cannot be on the transactional treadmill where I'm in my car for 14 hours a day, yep. showing every house, running here, running there. Like I literally hit burnout <laughs> and I was like, all right, there's something, something's got to change here. I actually lost my physical voice for about two years. Can you imagine doing this job? And I'd be talking like, I'd be here with you and then my voice would just cut. Or I'd be negotiating a deal, my voice would cut. I'd be leading a networking group, my voice would cut. And it made me, it made me delegate and elevate because I had no choice. I had no other choice. And um, some maybe similar to you, you're like, okay, well, I need to rework this here. You know, so I think there's a lot about, I think we do that a lot, like on a reactionary basis to like what life has served us. But it's all, but now going through that process and even talking about it is I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. Like now I'm like, well, I evolved out of need. Now I want to evolve out of want. Like, what do I want my business life to evolve to so I can evolve my vision of my future life even further? And that's exactly what I did. So I was working by myself out of my garage doing this. And then it got to a certain point where I said, okay, I can stop, maintain the clients I have and make this much money and still be available for my wife and my kids. Or... I can grow it bigger, bring people on and let go of some stuff and allow them to have positions and make money at a living wage in order to grow the business in the direction where I can still do more with less. Right. Right. How can I do as much as possible with as, as little time and effort as needed so I can be there for my kids? Right. And the only way that I have found to, to have that type of success is to surround myself with good people. That's right. Right? Like, I'm, I'm really lucky with the people I have, but I'm not the boss that's like, this is what we're doing. Right. You're not I'm, helicoptering. Right. I'm the boss that's like, hey, we're thinking about doing this thing. Who's in? Who's out? Do we think this is a good idea? Should we move in this direction? Here's what it means financially. Here's what it means for our time. Here's what it means for our effort. This is what we have to put in in order to get what we think we can get out. Is this something we want to do? Right. And that's where the podcast came from, because I've wanted to do a podcast like this. And I was like, OK. Then I went to Tyler and I was like, hey, is this is this something that we want to do together? Is this a thing that we think has legs that will work and elevate our business and elevate what we want to do? And he was like, yeah, I, I see it. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. So we we started recording them and then we made a plan when to put them out and how to do it so we could always stay ahead and always make sure that if we ended up having guests that weren't great or that podcast that didn't come out well because of me or whatever else, we were able to go, okay, well, that one's got to back right. along that one we have and we'll use it if we need it. Then let's go to the next one. But it's all about understanding that your version of success is for you. What you want is for you. And if you're doing things out of need, you're going to get exhausted and you're not actually going to reach the goals that you may want someday because you're always focused on, on what you think you need. People need way less than they actually think they do. Most people have a list of needs that includes a bunch of their wants. And that's where I think people like get Netflix. distracted. You're saying like there's right. too much right. on like, the need list? On the need list. Like they're like, oh, I need cable. No, you don't. Right. Like you I can need... make that sacrifice to right. get yourself to the next level quicker i need this new car and it's all temporary right like i get into it with i get into it on social media when we post reels and stuff 
where we talk about living wage. And people think a living wage is a thriving wage. Living wage means that you can have a car, you can have food on your table, you don't get to go out. Right. And you have a roof over your head that you're paying for and you might need somebody to live with you to help you pay for it. That's a living wage. Right. Anything else is extra. Right. The brand new sneakers, the brand new right. car, like, yeah. Like all that stuff is extra. Yeah. So if you come to me and say, I want to make $30 an hour, I go, great. What skills do you have? Oh, I, I've never done this before. Well, then you're going to start at $17 an hour. Right. Like that, that that's just where you're going to start. If you even can start, because if you have no skills at all, how do I even know you're going to be a good fit? Your ass. Yeah. I need to see if you're even going to be a good fit. Right. Totally. Like if you don't have skills and you don't have the desire for skills that you're going to develop them yourself, then why should I pay you to develop them if you're not even willing to develop them yourself? That's right. That's right. Right. So that's what I mean when I say people have these lists of, of needs that are way too long. Right. Like I lived on my own in New York and L.A. I mean, I had roommates and girlfriends that I lived with throughout the time, but. I paid all my own bills. I worked my ass off. I made sure I didn't have kids. I made sure I didn't get married. I made sure that I focused on all the things that I wanted to do because those are the things that I wanted. So if that meant that I ate chicken and rice for weeks, that's what I ate. Yeah, and right? furniture. Darn it. It's actually funny that people think ramen's cheaper than rice. Like you can get a 12-pound bag of rice that'll last you a month for like 10 bucks. It's not cheaper. It's easier. Sure. Put that sucker right in the... Right. When I was in college, you put that right in the microwave. In the microwave. Yeah. Right? You need a stove. That's no. a little cheaper that way. Right. And that's why it's great. So it's all that stuff where you figure it out, mm-hmm. right? But you have all these people that have these lists of, well, I need this. I need that. And it's like, well, your list of needs is preventing you to get to where you want. Totally. The more things you put on your I need this list, it comes off of your want list. See, I don't think those people even know where what they where they want to go they and what they want to do because like I've done so many things that I lead with I'll lead with value and just to get my foot in the door cuz proximity is power, right? Yeah. That's how I got to where I am is by just like who is the best? I want to be near them and be friends with them, what value can I provide? Because I had goals and aspirations. So I really feel that someone that's leading with like, what are you going to do for me? And I'm showing up with zero skill and zero drive, <laughs> but I need the thrive salary. I really just feel that I kind of feel bad for them because they don't even know what they want and where they want to go. You know, that's a sad place to be. Yeah. But I feel like that's probably pretty common. I think it's more common than not. That's too bad. Well, that's not common in my world, thank the dear Lord. Right. But I think it also comes from your family, too. No doubt. Yeah. I think I think nepotism plays a huge part in your world. I've said it before on here, and I, I like saying it because it's a fun thing to talk about. But nepotism wins, right? Like, people say have all these sayings about hard work and how hard work beats talent, and you can be talented, but if you don't put in the work, like, all that shit. But nepotism beats all of it. If you have a good family, you're going to fucking win. That's facts. Your family's going to kill it for you, right? The more you can stay involved with whatever your family's involved in, the higher and bigger it's going to get and it's going to grow. And the th- important thing about that, and this is like part of my story, is that my mom never gave me fish. She taught me how to fish. Right. 
which that is the most valuable gift because it's a gift that keeps on giving and having the mentorship. It's like your career, whatever you're doing, find a mentor, right? Because your career is like a plane taking off. If you're off by one degree, you're going to have somewhere completely differently. Right. So having that proximity is power, but also realizing that if you don't have that proximity, make that proximity happen. Right. You can do that. And that's what I, that's, that's literally what I, I, that's all I do. I proximity hop to the people that I'm like, Ooh, I feel so aligned with like your message or like, and I have, I have accumulated all these amazing relationships, right? Your network's your net worth. You know, that's what you have to do. I mean, that's why, right? Don't you feel that's at the core of it all? Yeah. Just building relationships and making friends with people. I think if you don't have relationships that are strong and of value, then your life is going to feel like it doesn't have value. A thousand percent. The meaning of life is finding what the meaning is that you bring to your life. Right. The purpose of life is what's the purpose you're going to make out of your life. Right. And only you can discover what your purpose is. Nobody can tell you what your purpose is. People can look at you and say, oh, you're very talented in this or, oh, you're very good at this. But only you are going to know what makes you feel like you have purpose. Only you are going to know what makes you feel good to go do. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times do people, I've experienced this, right, where you are you climb up the ladder just to realize your you're ladder's up against the wrong building. Right. You know what I mean? And you're like, shit. Yep. <laughs> you know? So that that's a huge part of my purpose because, like, you know, doing doing something for the 10-year goal, sometimes you're in the grind that you're like, I don't even like this building up against, you know? And I'm really good at it, and I got to the top, and you're like, this view sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, this is the wrong building. Right. You know? But look at all the experiences and all the shit you got on that way up that ladder. So much shit. Right? You learn all so the much stuff shit. on your way up that ladder that when you get to the top, you become self-aware of, oh, this isn't where I want to be. And the, the sad thing is there are people that get to the top of that ladder and they decide, oh, shit, I'm here, but I worked so hard to get here, so I'm so going to stay. I'm going to stay. Exactly. That is the saddest thing, actually. And people don't realize how easy it is to just do shit. Right? Like, Oh, yeah. The biggest, the biggest lie there is is that things are hard. Life is hard. Everything's hard. Things are easy. Life is hard. Things are easy. Right. Like, just go do shit. Right. Just go do it. It's just as hard to do it as it is to sit here and talk about, shoot, I have to do this. Yeah. That's hard. The feeling of regret, the feeling of like, oh, damn, I really should get to the gym. All that self-talk that you do is pretty hard, too. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, I always think about this example as I'm trying to like, all right, let's get in shape January 1. But it's like, what's harder, working out and being healthy and doing the right thing for my body or not being not doing the right thing and then having to like deal with all the bullshit after when your body starts breaking down yeah what's harder which hard do you want to pick yeah you know yeah like which one which path works for you which one makes sense for you and it's so many people get caught in this idea that they have to know what they want to be and they have to stick to it forever that sucks. Do you know how much That's shit I've so done? Boring. How many things I've done in my life? Like, there's so many things that I've tried and I've done to land to wet where I am. Right. You're probably good at failing, right? Oh, I'm, I'm so good at failing. One of the best failures the be there is. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's everything right there. And not, like, it's like, how often are you going to, 
fall off that horse and how quickly do you get up? Yeah. It's like some people just get on the horse and they're like, I'm not even going to leave the barn. Well, you're not going to fall, but you're just never going to see that beyond the four walls. Or are you going to like learn how to ride the horse and then go out and just wild and fly? I don't think people understand that if you haven't failed at anything, you haven't done anything. Literally. Like that's so boring. Like we all fail. Yeah. Like we're all walking upright. Yeah. Right. Right. If they weren't all like, that means we all accomplished something yeah. that was super hard. Exactly. Watch a baby learn to walk. They Literally. fell over a lot. Yeah. They just keep getting up and they just keep smiling through it. That's right. Right. Exactly. We all stopped shitting our pants. Also a learned skill, people. We all still may start shitting our pants right. at another point. Right. And not be able to. We, that's another story. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> right. But that's. But that becomes a physical, unable to do a thing yeah. when we're old, right? Yes. But we get to a point where we have to learn skills. Everything you know how to do is a learned skill. Whether it came to you easy or not, it's a learned skill. Everything, yeah. So if you enjoy the process of learning skills, then you're going to get to a point where you'll understand that failure is part of learning. Yeah. Failure is part of growth. Failure is part of success. The only way you won't accomplish your goal is to quit. That's right. That's it. And it's okay to quit. I'm not here to tell you not to quit things. Quitting is fine if you Quitting don't want to be on that building. Exactly. Right? If that's not where you want to be, go ahead and fucking quit. You right. can go do something else, but know that you're going to fail. So if every time you fail, you quit, that's the problem. Yep. That's your problem. Yep. Is when every time you yeah. you come into something hard and something gets difficult and you can't seem to figure out how to do it right, and you quit every time, that's your major flaw. Or you get so scared that you don't even go for it. Right. You don't take that next step up the ladder because you're like, I'm so scared because the second I get rejection, I will quit. So yeah. you're you're gonna preemptively not even reach for that next rung of the ladder. That's the saddest part of all. Like you said, the perfect analogy of the baby crawling, you know, and trying to walk and they get back up with a smile, you know, it's like it actually is the journey. Yeah. I'm going to think of that. I'm going to think of my little niece that's learned, that learned how to walk every time I think of something hard. Yeah. You know, it's just part of the journey. It's part. of, And if you love the process of doing what like if you love whatever you're trying to do, right, whatever you're putting effort towards, if you love that thing and you know you want to do it, whether it be painting or music or film, or real estate, or financials, or whatever it is that you're putting effort into learning, if you love it, you'll laugh through it. No doubt. You'll enjoy that. You'll you'll understand that that failure is actually you learning. Yes. 